1 through uh, reading. So Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 8. We uh, titled the sermon, uh, Good for Evil. And we'll understand what that, that means in, in just a minute, but good for evil. We understand that God is great, that God is mighty, that He is powerful, uh, but sometimes we overlook His handiwork and what He is doing. Um, and I want us to understand this morning as we look at life and we oftentimes we see difficult situations, we see problems, we see issues, we see things that are just awful in nature. Sometimes sometimes it happens to other people. Sometimes it happens in our own life. Sometimes it's things that we don't understand. Sometimes it's things that just don't make sense. Amen. But that I want us to understand that God is ever-present in all that is occurring in life, no matter good or bad, no matter great or evil, that God is present. I want to start um, real quick as we read the Scripture, and then I want to tell just a brief story that might sound familiar to most. Um, we're going to read here. This is, uh, as I said, Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 8. It says, Now Saul was consenting to his death. So this is building off of Acts chapter 7 where Stephen was being stoned, right? Now Saul was consenting to his death. And at that time a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things, which, heeded the things spoken by Philip. Hearing and seeing the miracles which he did for unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was a great joy in that city. Acts chapter 8. Verse 1 Amen. through 8. Let me start with a quick story. In January 8th in 1956, so a long time ago for some of us, not so long ago for some of you guys, um, there was five men, five missionaries went down to Ecuador, flew down to Ecuador. And they had no less got off of their plane um, as they went to do mission work uh, to the to the Aka tribe, I believe is what it was. Um, they had no less got off the plane than they were captured and killed. Um, because of what they had came to do. And in, in that time, in, in the realm of missionaries and in the, in religion and Christianity and things, it was a big deal, right? Many saw it as just a, a great tragedy to see that who have occurred. One of the darkest days in the, in the modern era of Christianity, of religion, of the church, uh, many would have, would have claimed. And uh, it, was, it was an awful thing because these men were so passionate. They had such a great desire to, to reach out to other people, to go to places and to do this ministry, to talk to people who had never heard about Christ and to tell them about the love of Jesus, to spread the gospel message. They, this was their desire, this was their passion. It's what they, they wanted. And here it seemed like it was snuffed out well before it was supposed to have happened, right? They, no doubt many people thought, well, these, these men were going to do great things. These men were going to help these, these people, this tribe, to, to know Christ and hear their life ended what many thought or assumed probably was well too soon. And that may have seemed the case in the moment. This tragic thing, what was its meaning? What was its purpose? Why did this have to occur? What can come of this? Of this persecution that these men faced and, and perished in? But what we see and what we understand as the story continues, and I'm thankful that even in the worst of times when bad things happen, with the power of God, the story continues. 
Amen. That just because bad things happen doesn't mean that's the end of the story. That God is still working. That God is still doing something. Even in the midst of tragedy. And in the midst of this tragedy, He inspired and sparked uh, almost a revival amongst these, these this group of missionaries that knew these men. That their, their families, their wives just you know, took up the same zeal as these men had. Their friends began just left leaving jobs and doing things to go and take up the cause that they had. And they all went down to the same place here in Ecuador to, to meet and to minister to this, this Aka tribe of people. And, and over many years and time, of people going and going and ministering, reaching out and different kinds of things that were happening, they got to the point where they established a foundation, a foothold amongst this tribe and began to develop a church, to build a church. A church that just wasn't just a small thing, but a church that was thriving, that was powerful, that was reached not in, and reached the whole of the Aka tribe and began to spread out through other regions of Ecuador and other regions in the surrounding area, doing the ministry of God in a powerful and a mighty way. And what we see and understand, what many of these people have spoken of, even the people that came from the tribal area, it was the person that these other, these first five men went through that inspired others to step out and to do the work of God. It was the persecution that they went through and then others stepping right up into it again to see and face the same assured death, they thought, that these tribal people were moved and shaken at the audacity of what these men were doing. Yeah. Of what these women were doing in the face of persecution. And it was through this that what was seen as a tragedy became a great and glorious testimony of what God can do in the midst of of persecution. Thus the good for evil. And we may think, man, that's that's a wild story, but it's it's very similar to the story that we that we read in Acts chapter one or Acts chapter eight verses one through eight. Persecution will be a part of our ministry. Right. I want to first talk about the pain of persecution. The pain of persecution. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. We read that several weeks ago, right? It says, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. We have talked about earlier that this is, he says, you will, you shall. It is a confidence that he is speaking with them. He's saying there's nothing wavering about this. This will happen, right? And if this is all we knew of Scripture, if we didn't know anything else that happened after Acts chapter 1 verse 8, if we didn't know anything else about religion, if we just woke up from a trance one day, I woke up from a concussion, and all we knew was up to the history up to this point in, in, in the world, and we knew that first, we would think, oh, this is great, right? We would think if this was a movie, this is when the credits roll. This is when they do the Sandlot thing, and they say, and Peter went here, and all these people were saved. And this other one went here, and all these people were saved. And by the end of it, everybody, the whole world was converted, and everybody loved Jesus, and everybody followed Jesus. Because if we go off that verse, we think everything's going to be good and glorious and grand after that. But we know that's not the case. We know that's not what happens. Because we see as we go on here, we get into Acts chapter 8. It's not the first time they received persecution, right? Peter and John's brought before the Sanhedrin court multiple times. Each time they tell them, don't talk about Jesus no more. They beat them. They persecute them. They say, you can't do that. This isn't what we're going to do. But here we see in Acts chapter 7, we see a change, a shift begin to happen. Stephen had been stoned. Yeah. Why? Acts chapter 7 verse 54 simply says they didn't like what he had to say. They didn't like the message he was sharing. What was he sharing? He was simply sharing the gospel. And because of the sharing of the message of the gospel, he and then so many after him were under fierce and powerful and deadly persecution. The pain of persecution. It was real for them. 
Right? What we must be aware of is that the gospel and the powers of this world are not friends. They cannot and will not exist in harmony. There is no way, fashion, or form that that will happen. See, because the thing is, the world wants to do everything it can to snuff out the message of the, the, the message of the gospel. And the gospel's whole intention and desire is to draw people out of the world. They cannot coexist. Their mission statements, their purposes in existence are completely and totally opposite. Thus, there will always be warfare and conflict and, and, and confusion between the two. Amen? Just like oil and vinegar, you can see very clearly they can be in the same place. They're both in the same atmosphere here, right? In the very communities that we live in, there is the gospel and there is the carnal. There is flesh and there is salvation. There is death and there is life. But they do not and cannot and will not mix. You can shake it and shake it and shake it and you can go through all kinds of stuff in life. But as you watch this, it will begin to separate. It will begin to divide and turn into two different mixtures over time, right? Because they cannot exist. They will begin to separate. They will be divided amongst each other. We cannot, the gospel cannot coincide with the message of the world in harmony and in peace and in comfort, right? Right. And because of that, there will be persecution that we face. Jesus tells his disciples in John chapter 15. He says, don't you know, the world has hated me. And basically he says, why do you think they'll treat you any better? He says, if you follow me, if you're faithful to me, if you're committed to me, if you're obedient to me, the world will hate you. There will be persecution. And there will be pain from that persecution. Yeah, blessing, Lord. So there's pain in persecution, right? It's evident. It's there. And we see it clearly in the book of Acts. Like I said, this wasn't the first time that the church had seen or experienced persecution. I mean, Christ died through persecution, right? Peter and John were brought for the Sanhedrin court again and again, put in jail again and again, beaten, whipped again and again because they were persecuted for their message. But here was Stephen, the first of the new apostles, the new disciples, the, the new ones that were following after God that was persecuted unto death. And there's that pain of persecution. Now we might look at our life in our current age when we be like, well, what is persecution now? There is still a presence of persecution Amen. in our life. I want to make this clear, though. We do not experience the same level or the same significance or strength of persecution that was there in the, in the book of Acts. Now, it is present in our world still. You go to third world countries, you go to other places across the globe, and you still see people that are dying for the cause of Christ in places like China, and places like the Middle East, and China, even places in Africa and other places, and, and island countries and things like that. We still hear testimony. We still hear messages. We still get back some kind of testimony. These things happening. That still happens. But in America, we do not see that way, persecution in that form or fashion, yet there is still persecution. Even so... We live in a time that, like Stephen, we are surrounded by people that are angered and that are opposed to the message of the gospel. What do we say? In Acts chapter 7, verse 54, the whole reason 
that brought them to the place where they were willing to stone Stephen was because they did not like the message that he brought. That's right, amen. The message of the gospel. That's what we talked about a couple weeks ago. That all throughout what Stephen's whole sermon was about was pointing out the handiwork of God throughout the Old Testament that ultimately brought them to the place they were at and pointed to Christ as the Savior of the Jews and everybody if they were willing to accept Him. The gospel message. And it said they were so angered by it that they began to gnash at Him with their teeth, enraged at what He had to say. We live in a world that is angered and enraged by the message of the gospel yet still today. Right. Yet still today, the persecution, the reaction, how they interact with that looks differently. But the world has grown no more receptive to the full truth of Scripture in the past 2,000 years since Christ was crucified and Stephen was stoned. It still rejects the gospel message. The flesh, carnality, the things of this world still have no desire within themselves to receive the gospel message. And because of that, because of the two not being able to mix, there is still persecution. There is still problems. There are still issues that come from that. Though we currently face little physical concern, that does not mean that we are ignorant of all types of persecution, right? To stand on truth of Scripture, to uphold the Bible, tell, what the Bible tells us to, to follow in the footsteps of Christ is looked upon as ignorance, is looked upon as stupidity, as looked upon as foreign or counterintuitive to what we should be doing. And it's looked upon with more contempt with each passing year. And as time continues, we do not know what may come of this world. Revelations and things of Scripture hint at or prophesy or, or speak of certain things. We don't know the fullness of what it will look like, of what generation will receive those things. But we do know that that contempt look at the gospel. That that anger, that frustration at the message of the gospel, of the truth of Scripture, will not change. But will only worsen. And that's the persecution that we that is laid ahead of us to to deal with, to overcome, to come to bear with. Amen. But I, I'm glad to say that there is a purpose of persecution. The purpose of persecution. I know it can be hard to understand the ways of God. I mean, sometimes we won't. The Bible says His ways and His thoughts are much higher than our ways and our thoughts. And I believe it's 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that speaks of speaks of the fact that it says, now, currently, we see through a glass darkly, but one day we will we will see face to face. We we don't always understand what is currently going on or what God's handiwork is is leading us to. All is, is not always clear. However. We can look to this scripture to recognize that God is working even in the midst of, of persecution. Can, can we look at Acts chapter 1 verse 8 again? Bless you, Lord. And we're going we're gonna to show why this is so important. Understand, this is what he says before he leaves. This is one of the last things he tells his people. The last things he tells the apostles. The last command he gives, the last thing he tells me, he says, but you shall receive power 
when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. We see that in the day of Pentecost. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. We know the day of Pentecost came, the Holy Spirit came, and it was imbued within them. We understand that, that happened. They have been establishing a church in Jerusalem. It was thriving. It was pretty doing pretty good. The message had been received decently amongst the common people, right? Amongst the lay people. The priests and, and all the things that were in the temple were not very receptive to it. Most of them weren't at least. But at least for the lay people, the common Joes, they received this message with glad tidings. They were excited to hear about this Christ, right? But here we see they had set up shop in Jerusalem. Things were going at least half decent in Jerusalem until Stephen was stoned. Stephen's death him being stoned, shook the people. And they realized we can't stay here any longer. We have to, as the Bible says, it says they were they were scattered. And the thing is, that no matter how great or how strong the church in Jerusalem was, God's intention and plan for His church was not to be a sole body of people that was contained completely and totally to Jerusalem. And that was the extent of what they did. That was not his plan or purpose or desire for his church, for his people, for her followers. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 clearly states what his desire was. He says, you shall be witness to me in Jerusalem. They did that. It says, and in all of Judea and Samaria. Into the end of the earth. Now, Acts chapter 8 verse 4 when you add that on there. The latter part is, is Acts chapter 8, verse 4. I find it of no coincidence. But when I talk about where they were scattered to, they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. The direction and the path they took as they were being scattered was the exact same direction and path that he had commanded them to take the message of the gospel. He said, you all set up shop in Jerusalem. That's not what I told you to do. He says, go to Judea and Samaria. Persecution drove the message to the corners that it needed to be in. Amen. It was through this persecution. Without the persecution, without Stephen stoning, without that happening, without Saul going on, getting on his horse and going out and through and dragging people out of their homes and doing all these awful atrocities to the people of Christ, without that happening, they would have stayed in Jerusalem. There was nothing that was driving them out. They were fond there. But it was the persecution that drove them to be obedient, drove them to be faithful, drove them to the extent of where God was leading them and wanting them to go. And he tells them, he shows them, he says, you're going to be scattered, but you're going to go exactly where I needed you to be in the in the first place. Acts chapter 8 continues. Towards the end of the chapter, Philip, he goes to Samaria. Great things happen, right? He goes and he talks to these other ones and, and great things happen. And then the Holy Spirit tells him, says, you need to go down this river, right? You need to go down this place. There's something that needs to be happening there that I want you to do. Philip goes down to a river. <clears throat> the Bible says he saw, sees a chariot kind of far off and, and the Holy Spirit just impresses him. He says, you got to catch up to that thing. He catches up to it. And he says he finds there some person, Ethiopian eunuch. I was reading the Scriptures. And Philip asked me, he said, well, yeah, what is it that you read? And he says, how am I supposed to know if somebody don't tell me? And then through the interaction, Philip explains to him how that Christ is the lamb that was slaughtered from the very foundation of the earth for our salvation. Right? 
who the open eunuch converts, believes, and understands that, that Christ is the Savior, is the Messiah, is the One, is the Son of God. He's dead, buried, and resurrected. And he comes back and he tells him, he says, he says, Here, here's water. Why, why can't I be baptized? He's baptized. And, and it says that he goes back into Ethiopia. And from history, we understand that through this interaction, through Philip telling this man about the gospel, through Philip being obedient, going through Judea, through the scattering, going to Samaria because he was scattered, he ended up here with this interaction with this man from Ethiopia. Then the gospel message was taken to Ethiopia, Africa, right? And we understand that all of Africa was able to hear the gospel message because of this interaction. Understand what happened. Persecution led the message to Judea, it led it to Samaria, and it led it to the end of the earth. Without persecution, God's plan would not have been fulfilled. It's the purpose of persecution. Persecution drives us to be more faithful. Persecution drives us to trust in Him more. Persecution drives us to have more faith in His promises and that He is who He says He is. That what He said in the Scriptures, His promises are yes and amen. Persecution pushes us to a place where what we can count on is God and we recognize that and we realize that and we embrace that. This is the purpose of persecution. Persecution pushes us into a deeper relationship with Christ. Persecution pushes us to trust Him more. To rely on Him solely and forces us to step into the unknown. Because let's be honest. If we aren't forced to do something, we aren't going to do it. Funny, funny kind of example. If you grew up all your life, you turn 18, and mommy and daddy still going to take care of everything and provide house and home and give you all the food and let you just do whatever you want to. Not many of us are going to want to move out, are we? It's until the rubber meets the road, and we're forced to have to do something different that we sometimes have to do, go through that to step out into the unknown. If I come to church and just do church on some Sundays and just have things go my way and every time I talk about Christ, I'm applauded and I'm celebrated and lifted up and glorified and everybody views me as a hero and all that goes great, then guess what? I'm not ever going to step out into, into the unknown. If I always get what I want, no matter what goes on, everything just falls in my lap, and I never have to trust in the Lord, and I never have to seek on Him, I never have to pray to Him, I never have to talk to Him, I never have to depend on Him to provide for me, guess what? I'm not going to go deeper with Him. Persecution forces me into a deeper relationship with Christ. Persecution forces me to trust in Him more, to believe in Him greater, to have more faith in His promises. It's the purpose of persecution. There was a... A pastor one time, and we'll close with this. There was a pastor one time, and they were supporting missionaries that were doing work over in China, in like um, in some of their secret churches. They, they in China, my understanding is they can't do really any ministry outward, you know, just out in the open because of just how strenuous the persecution is on on Christians in that area of the world. They were part of a you know underground church kind of movement, and, and they'd come back to um, this America, I don't know what area, but to America, to kind of talk about some of the things that, were, that had been happening um, with, a, with small groups of people um, that were sending support. And uh, the pastor had uh, let them stay with him, I guess, for a couple of days. And um, they were talking about persecution, right? They were talking about all the things that, that the church in China has to face, but they... They were talking about how it was through that first, through that season of persecution, through those times of persecution, 
that people had a stronger faith in the Lord. That they had less doubt. They had less they just had faith and trust in God that He would be there because that's what they had to do. They said they came over to America and they viewed the church and the faith in the church and they said, they said it's just on totally different different wavelengths. He said, you, you all trust in your own ways and trust in your own things and trust in your own means and how to get things. He said, over there we have to have faith that, that the Lord will protect us to even get through the day. And a pastor in some way, faster form around that way, he, he asked me, he said, well, how, how do you think we can have that level of faith? And they said, well, we, we pray that you really understand what it's like to face deep persecution. Because it's, that, it's through the persecution that our faith grew. And we see that here in Acts chapter 8, that it's through the persecution that the world tried to use to, to, to conquer the people, to overcome them, to, to put them down, to snuff them out, that it was that very thing that drove the growth and the strength and the faith of those, that, those early believers to go into Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth with the message of the gospel, to be a witness of Christ. And we say all that to say this. You're going to look at your life sometimes. And you're going to look at seasons. There's going to be times things don't go your way. There's going to be times that you feel attacked and bombarded on every side. And you might not be facing persecution from a physical body. Ephesians tells us that. He says, we don't fight against flesh. We fight against principalities and powers of the air. We, we, fight, we, we face against these rulers of darkness and, and all these things in high places. That's what, we, that's what we war against, these things of the enemy. You might not face persecution at your job. You might not face persecution wherever it may be. But you're going to face attacks from the enemy. You're going to be battled. And you're going to be war-scarred. And you're going to go through difficult times. But I want you to understand that even in the midst of that, that God is working on something beyond our imagination. The Bible tells us in one place, he, he says, He worketh all things for the good of those that love God and are called according to His purposes. And they didn't see the purpose when the persecution started. When Stephen was stoned and they sat in whatever corners and, and tried to watch, or tried to get a peek to, to see what was going to happen. When when tail came back to the main body that Stephen had been, been stoned and was dead now, they didn't see the purpose of it. But there was purpose in the persecution. There was purpose in the pain, purpose in the suffering, purpose in what they had to face. And ultimately the message of Christ was spread in a way that it never would have without the introduction of the persecution that they faced. Purpose in the persecution. Purpose in your pain, purpose in your suffering, purpose in what you're going through. If it gets you to depend more on God, then it's done a great thing in your life. If it's made you trust in Him more, it's done a great thing in your life. If it's got you just a little bit closer to Him, then it's done a great thing in your life. There is purpose for what you go through. There is purpose for what we face. We might not see it in this life. Stephen didn't know. Stephen didn't know that his, his persecution, his stoning, would end up being the catalyst that drove the people to scatter and actually do the work that God had called them to do in a greater way than he could have ever imagined himself. He didn't know that. But there is purpose in that. We might not know it on this life. We might not know it in this time while we're here. But there is purpose in what we face. Amen.